Welcome to the Faith Community Church Podcast, a ministry of Faith Community Church in South Boston, Virginia. We're glad you can join us as Pastor Dane Skelton shares a weekly message to encourage you to deepen your faith in Jesus Christ. Here's Pastor Dane. Philippians chapter 4, and I'm beginning a series this week, and um, I'm going to rename it in your bulletins there. It says, Secrets of a Peaceful Soul. But I want to expand it a little bit and talk about how to find peace in anxious times. And so this will carry us probably through the month of August. You know, a little bit of anxiety is a good thing. It motivates us. It helps us concentrate. It helps us achieve things that we might not otherwise achieve if we didn't have a little stress, a little anxiety in our lives. But too much anxiety is destructive. There is only one word for anxiety in the Bible. It's merimnao, that's a Greek word, and it can, be, it can mean just to simply have a, a concern, which can be a positive concern, but taken to an extreme, and it depends on the context, it can mean to be, to be distracted to the point that you have a divided mind. You can't concentrate on anything. I will never forget sitting next to my late older brother, Mike, who was a big man, six foot two, 220 or more pounds. He was a skilled welder, he could, but he could no longer work because of anxiety. He was frightened, he was shaking, he was weeping like a small child, and no amount of reasoning could calm him. His mind was completely divided, and he could not settle on one healthy thought and follow it through. Now, I want to note something and ask you to note this down. This is important. If your anxiety has reached the stage that your mind can't focus and stay focused on one thing for more than just a few seconds, then you may need medication to get it under control uh, before you can begin to learn the things that you need to know to live a life of peace. My brother did that, and it saved his life. And he lived another 10 years using that medication. I just want to say right here up front, it is not unspiritual to use medication that way any more than it is unspiritual to use insulin if you have diabetes or if you get a cast on a broken leg. Um, If your brain chemistry gets out of whack to the extent, to, to a certain level, you're probably not going to bring that, be able to bring that back into equilibrium without medical help. Now, does God intervene sometimes and heal people directly when that kind of thing happens? Yes, and sometimes he fixes broken legs, but most of the time you need a cast. So I just want to get that out there up front. It also, that also points out the danger of marijuana use, especially in adolescence. Don't let anybody tell you or any propaganda say otherwise. I have, I have this from personal experience as well as the research. The more somebody uses uh, marijuana in adolescence, the more they wreck their uh, neurological system and, um, and predispose themselves to having this kind of uh, neurochemical imbalance for the rest of their lives. That's probably part of what my brother's problem was. So, Okay, let's say that our anxiety hasn't gone that far, but we're pretty, we're pretty anxious. We're pretty worried all the time. We're easily, easily stressed out. How do I know 
when I have moved from a healthy sense of concern to the kind of anxiety that is crippling. How do I know that? Well, let me give you a checklist. Number one, when I can't sleep because I can't stop thinking about what might happen. When I can't sleep because I can't stop thinking about what might happen. You know that 95% of the things that we worry about never happen. But that's one on the list. Number two, if I feel guilty whenever I try to relax, some of us are like that, we just can't relax. We've got so much tension and anxiety going on in us all of the time, we feel guilty when we relax. Number three, if we are afraid of something all the time, and you know that that's what the media is designed to make you do. It's either designed to make you angry or afraid of something all the time, because that way they keep you watching so that maybe they'll give you the solution. But it's like one of those sales pitches that never ends, and they never give you the actual solution. If you're afraid of something all the time. Number four, <clears throat> if you feel panic in certain situations, if you just feel rising panic in certain physical circumstances or situations. Number five, if you refuse or find it impossible to examine the source of your own emotions and your own feelings about things. Number six, if you tend to blame others for your emotions. When we blame others for our emotions, we're anxious all the time, but we're always saying, well, it's this, or it's that, or it's so-and-so, or it's this person or that person. And now I've lost count. I think it's number seven. If you just have a vague, overriding, generalized fear of disaster all the time. And lastly, if you have trouble thinking and remembering things because you're so anxious about life in general. If you have several of those all at once, that's a really good clue that you are dealing with debilitating anxiety. And, that you, and God, the, the interesting thing is, and the positive thing is, God has a solution for us with this. Anxiety is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind, says Arthur Roche. If encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all thoughts are drained. That's a really good analogy. Anxiety is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. If encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. I've done a little bit of, of studying about how our neurology works, and we basically have neural pathways in our brains for almost everything. You have a neural pathway in your brain for how you brush your teeth. Try to do it with the other hand one day, and you'll figure that out. You have a neural pathway in your brain if you're, a, if you're an athlete, if you play baseball or something. You have a, it's a muscle memory. You have a neural pathway in your brain about how you swing that bat or how you swing that golf club. We also have neural pathways in our brain that have nothing to do with how we function physically, but have everything to do with how we function mentally and emotionally. And that's what this author is talking about. If we, get, if we tend toward anxiety anyway, and then we feed that habit, we will, we will uh, drive a neurological channel through our, into our brains, and we'll burn that path in there. And once you've burned one of those paths in there, they never really go away. And what happens is, is everything tends to fall into that path. 
You worry about money. You worry about your kids. You worry about life. You worry about the pandemic. You worry about politics. You worry about everything and just makes you anxious all the time. And we do that to ourselves neurologically by the habits of mind that we adopt and we develop. And what Paul is going to do for us here in Philippians chapter 4 is help us understand a different way to to drive and to pattern our thinking, pattern our minds. So what he's doing for us here is he can't go in with um, he can't go in with a plow and plow up those neural pathways that we've built for ourselves and reseed them and make them go away. That's almost impossible to do. But what we can do is we can make a new neural pathway. And so Paul and, and we can train ourselves to follow that pathway, and eventually this one will overgrow. It will not be the one that we naturally fall into. So God does not want us to suffer from debilitating anxiety. And so he's given us these very practical things to do in the teaching of the Apostle Paul. So first, uh, Philippians chapter 4 And, of course, when you're in the second half of any one of Paul's letters, you're into the practical application part of Paul's letters. Philippians, I keep wanting to call it 2 Philippians. (laughs) That's my memory going bad. So Philippians 4, and we'll just jump down to verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And we're going to stop right there. I know you know the rest of that passage. But we're going to get to that next week. We're just going to stop in verses 4 and 5. Now, let me make an important distinction. The things that we are going to learn over the next few weeks are deeply spiritual things. And they are accessed and applied by faith. But they aren't magic. This is not a potion. This is not an incantation that we say over ourselves or whatever in order to give us peace. That's what magic does. Magic attempts to use some sort of potion or some sort of incantation that you say exactly right all the time, and by that you manipulate God, and you manipulate the spiritual world for your benefit. That's magic. That's not faith. Faith is confidence and dependence on God expressed through obedience to what he's told us to do. Faith is confidence and dependence on God expressed through obedience to what he's told us to do. So what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks is knowing what we're supposed to do and then by faith expressing it through obedience and doing what he's told us to do. So when I approach things with the attitude of someone practicing magic, I'm in control. But when I apply the principles of Scripture by faith, God is in control. So it's the application of these principles by faith. It's not just saying the right words. So first secret to having peace in troubled times is right there in verse 4. Paul says, rejoice! It is simply stating something that you are glad about and the reason for your gladness. That's what this is. So, for example, kids all over Virginia rejoiced in March when the coronavirus gave them an early spring break that lasted all summer. Kids rejoiced. Parents 
are now rejoicing or hoping they can rejoice that it will soon be over and they can all go back to school. There's a great power in rejoicing. Rejoicing is like a heart massage for us. When I'm rejoicing about something, the stresses and the strains and the hassles and the baggage of life tend to fall away. I'm left with this peaceful confidence that, you know what, everything is under control. God has this under control. Everything's going to be all right. This is especially powerful when we are down about something. Let me give you an example. On a sunny afternoon in October, after in, in, in 1982, in Badger Stadium in Wisconsin, there was a football game going on between the Wisconsin Badgers and the Michigan State Spartans, and they had 60,000 screaming fans in there rooting for the Badgers, but the Badgers were not doing well. In fact, they were getting their pants beat off. But every now and then, and so you know what happens in a crowd like that in a stadium, the home team crowd just sort of loses its umph and it gets really quiet. But every now and then, the stadium would flare up on the Wisconsin side and you'd hear these cheers coming from the Wisconsin side and nothing good was happening on the football field. Well, it turned out that um, the Milwaukee Brewers were playing baseball. They were in the third game of the World Series a few miles away and these guys in the stadium had their, had their transistor radios. And if you guys don't know what that is, that's how we heard news before there were smartphones. They had their transistor radios with them in Badger Stadium and so they were rejoicing over something that was happening in another place because the Brewers were winning. Now you see the point here? When life is awful all around us, if all we are doing is looking at, oh, this is awful, this is awful, this is awful, we're just going to feel awful. And we're going to be anxious all the time. But if we're concentrating on something else that is beautiful and glorious and honorable and good and righteous all the time, then our joy comes from an, another place. And that's what Paul's telling us to do. He's saying, rejoice in the Lord all the time. You know, turn your radio to Him. Tune your radio to Him and to all that He's already done for us. And rejoice in Him all the time. Some of you are like me. You, are, you have a melancholy temperament. That's just a 50-cent way of saying you can find the lead lining to any silver cloud. Okay? And if you have a melancholy temperament, uh, it's very difficult to do this. So I just want to tell you something straight. Rejoicing in the Lord is not something that comes easy to me. And it might be that way for you. So what I had to learn was this has to be a conscious choice that you do as an act of will. You are simply expressing obedience. You're expressing your faith through obedience and you're just making it an act of the will. I will rejoice in the Lord. So what I did, and what helps me a lot, is I just memorized some psalms that actually tell me what to do and, and enable me to do what I'm supposed to do. Psalm 103 has become one of my favorites. I've memorized most of it. But it begins like this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. But I don't go to that second verse. I just stay with the first verse three or four times until my 
mouth gets a hold of my brain and actually starts making it do what it's supposed to do. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is... Like, listen, guys. All that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who pardons all your iniquities and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who, restore, who uh, provides you with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Now you do that for a while. And it goes on. It gets better after that. You do that and you do it to the Lord, unto the Lord. Your anxiety is going to ebb. And your confidence and your peace is going to increase. But what you are doing, you are not doing a magic incantation that's supposed to make you feel better. You are worshiping. And there's a difference. You are worshiping the Lord. Experiencing the peace that Paul is talking about. It's kind of like sailing. You can look at a sailboat in the harbor and you can think, well, that's beautiful. I think I would like to sail in that boat. And that's fine. But nothing good is going, you're not going to sail until you get on the boat and pick up the anchor and raise the sails. So what Paul is telling us to do is rejoicing in the Lord is getting in the boat, raising up the anchor and lifting the sails. You're not going to go anywhere until you do that. It's that act of obedience of rejoicing in the Lord. It raises the sails. It puts you in a place where the wind of the Spirit can blow refreshment through your soul. So you have to start finding things to rejoice about. And Paul's not left us in the dark about that. He says, rejoice in the Lord. So, Lord, I am glad that you are incarnate in the Virgin Mary. Somebody asked Larry King one time, if you could interview Jesus, what question would you ask him? And he said, I would ask him if he was really born of a virgin. That would change everything for me. I am rejoicing, Lord, that you were born of a virgin. You are the Son of God. I'm rejoicing, Lord, over your power, your power to heal. And I, I, I really am rejoicing, Lord, that when you healed somebody, sometimes in the, in the Gospels, when you healed somebody, you, um, you enjoyed humiliating stuffed shirt religious types when you did it. I like that. I rejoice over that. You find things in the text to say, Lord, I'm rejoicing over that. Or find things in your life the way that he has blessed you. Look, guys, we're going through this coronavirus stuff, and it's a bummer, right? But we're still in air-conditioned houses, and I rejoice over that. We still have gasoline for our cars. I rejoice over that. We still have food in a grocery store. You can rejoice, is what I'm trying to say, over just about anything. But it's especially helpful when you rejoice in the Lord. Now, last thing about that. And this is true about all of this. It is important to do this out loud with your mouth. Out loud. You can speak it. You can sing it. You can do whatever. You just need to do it out loud. And I know some of you are probably thinking, come on, Dane, that's a little bit loony. Okay, so what? 
It won't work if you don't do it out loud. Because there's something about when we speak something out loud, it, it grabs our brain, so to speak, and involves our whole selves in what we're doing. So you need to speak it out loud. You mean you're asking me to talk out loud to God about how good He is and about how it will give me peace? Yes. You mean you're saying I should talk out loud to God and recite psalms to Him out loud when I'm out walking? Yes. You mean I should uh, say things to God out loud in the middle of the week? Yes. All the time. This is faith expressing itself through obedience. And it has, it has a fruit. It has a result. Because it's worship. Oh boy, that was just the first point. Second point, shift your focus to the Lord. Now, we've already talked about that, but look in verse 5. Rejoice in the Lord, he says, so learn to rejoice. Verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. He's right at the door, what Paul is saying. He could return at any moment, and he could, even 2,000 years later. So it may help to understand this one if you understand why we become anxious. Some of the things that cause us to become anxious. As human beings, we are vulnerable. We're vulnerable, and we know it. Especially we know it now. But I've been riding motorcycles for 40 years. I have never felt as vulnerable as I do today when I'm on my motorcycle because of this device that we all have in our pockets. Because everybody, and I mean everybody, is looking at this thing while they're going down the road, while they're at the stop sign, while they're, at the, while they're going through the red light. They're looking at this thing. I see them. I've seen them coming down the road, coming over on the, double, the, the other side of the double yellow because they're driving like this, and at the last minute, they don't hit me. I feel really vulnerable. As human beings, we know our vulnerability. Sometimes we can convince ourselves that we're not. We, we sort of distract ourselves. But deep down inside, we know how vulnerable we are. And it makes us anxious. Because of our physical vulnerabilities. We are frail. Someone said we are frail, mortal, sensitive human beings. We are vulnerable physically, emotionally, and spiritually. We can get hurt in many ways. And we become aware of that. So something happens to make us feel our vulnerability, like a global pandemic, you know? And it leads to anxiety. And never mind that part of that anxiety comes from the 24-7 news cycle that highlights every death and every double or triple or quadruple recorded case of COVID, but it never mentions, I don't know if you guys have heard this, I looked this stat up this morning, it never mentions that between 97 and 99.75% of everybody who gets this virus recovers. You're not hearing that, are you? Or, you know, maybe it's a more common problem like your car won't crank or the doctor finds a mysterious lump or your wife has a wreck. 
whatever it may be, vulnerability gets very real and very personal. And it makes us anxious. So Paul is saying in verse 5, when you're, when you're faced with a situation like that, it makes you aware of your vulnerability and it causes you to lose your reasonableness. You keep in mind who's in charge. Keep in mind who's in charge. The Lord is at the door. He's in charge. He can return at any moment. None of this is a surprise to him. He's in control of all of it. And you are not alone. Let me, um, let me conclude with some things and some conflicts within us that create anxiety. There's some conflicts in the soul that can create anxiety inside of us. One of those is transgressions. Transgressions. Things that we know that we've done, that we've suppressed, that we're wrong. And they're creating anxiety in front of us. Many of us want to live with the values of the Bible, the values that the Lord gives us. We want to honor the laws of God. We want to be a person of integrity. But the problem is we don't do it consistently. We have a conscience and we know what's right and wrong and we find ourselves violating it. And so it creates anxiety inside of us. A a PhD, a psychologist said, you create a chasm between your standards and your actual behavior, which compromises your integrity. And you know it, and it creates anxiety in your soul. And so you've got to resolve that. Jill Briscoe, uh, who's married to um, Stuart Briscoe, and we're great followers of them, said in uh, one of her presentations, I remember talking to a girl in the church two or three years ago, she said, and the girl said, Jill, I've lost my joy. I've lost my peace. I want it back. Where did you lose it? I asked. That has nothing to do with this. Help me get it back. But where did you lose it? I don't want to talk about that. Just help me get it back. But eventually she did talk about it. And she lost it the day she moved in with her boyfriend before they were married. That'll do it. It's a conflict with our values. Sometimes our anxieties are caused by our failures. Everybody knows that failure is a part of human life. I tried to to fix my watch the other day, my Timex watch. I was trying to put a new battery in it. I'd watched on YouTube how to do it. I got the back off. I was trying to put the back back on. You know that old saying about Timex? Timex takes a licking and keeps on ticking. Mine didn't. I used a, I used a plastic hammer and it was a bit too much. Used to, when I would make a mistake like that, I would just get inside because I failed. And it's terrible. I can't do that. But I've been rejoicing in the Lord for a long time now. And I threw that $25 Simex in the trash and never looked back. And I have total peace. Sometimes we have failure. And failure makes us anxious. Rejoice in the Lord. Focus on Him. He loves you. He has completely provided for you. You are all right. It's okay. Failure's all right. 
He's not going to change. Well, listen to what the Bible says. There's only one permanent cure for this, and his name is Jesus. And it's possible, it's just possible, that you're here or that you're listening to the podcast, and you don't know him yet. You may have attended church for a long time, but you don't have that stability and that peace and that wholeness because you've not asked him to come inside and be in control all the time and be your master. Listen to what the Bible says. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The Bible shows us that we must ask and receive Jesus into our lives as Lord and rejoice in him and think on him and we will have peace. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for this strong admonition from your apostle, your servant Paul. And um, Father, I pray that you would help us over the next few weeks to listen to these things and apply them in our lives and express them through obedience so that we may experience the fruits that you have promised us. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us, please? Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Faith Community Church, you can find us online at fccsobo.org or on our Facebook page by searching Faith Community Church. As always, God loves you, we love you, and we hope you have a wonderful week.